Hey guys, welcome to another edition of the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast. A little bit different here with the podcast today. What's up, K Fitzy? Not a whole lot. How's it going? Pretty good. We're uh, going to try and do this every week, right? Yep, sounds good. Yeah, so uh, this is kind of just our, our intro to it. Um, I, the first thing I wanted to bring up, I don't know if anybody knows this, but you have the distinct honor of being the only Cyclone Fanatic co- contributor to ever be blocked by the Cyclone Fanatic Twitter account. Well, it goes beyond that. At one point, <laughs> I was I was permabanned from the forums for basically being a corrupt teenager. So, <laughs> uh, luckily, CW got me hooked up, and we're all back on the site and performing now. So, yeah. it's all good. Yeah, that's a positive. to another edition of the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast. It is episode 100 of Stands and Fits from the Carl Chevrolet Studios in Ankeny. What's up, man? Proud to make it to episode 100. Proud. Patting myself on the back right now. So proud. Air patting you on the back. Thank you. Yep. You are Paul Rhodes proud. Very. Uh, so a, proud. So proud. Yep. So proud to have made it to 100 episodes of this podcast without getting canceled. It's quite an accomplishment, it if, is. You, uh, if you ask me. Before we get started with uh, this week's podcast, though, we do need to give a quick shout-out to this episode's Cyclone Fanatic super patron, Lloyd Keene. Lloyd is a 1988 Iowa State graduate, and as he put it, he's lived through, the, through both the down years and the resurgences of Iowa State athletics. He was lucky enough to be present at many historical Cyclone moments over the years, including the LaFester Rhodes game against Iowa, the run, and Troy Davis's 99-yard kickoff return for a touchdown his freshman year against Colorado. Lloyd has been a longtime supporter of Cyclone Fanatic through Patreon, well before we even started these initiatives. Thanks again, Lloyd, for your support of Iowa State and Cyclone Fanatic. As a reminder, if you're interested in becoming a premium subscriber, check out the initiatives, including shout-outs and inside information at CycloneFanatic.com. Thanks, Lloyd. Thank you, Lloyd. We truly appreciate it. We do. So that we could continue to do this podcast for 100 episodes. Troy Davis's 99-yard return. Wow, that'd be an awesome moment to to see. I did not know that happened. Me either. (laughs) I'll be completely honest. Um, But obviously, at the same time, not surprised. He was a beast. Hold up. What year did it say that he was a graduate? 1980-something. 1988? Yeah. Well, that wouldn't make... Oh, Troy Davis's freshman year. Yeah. Okay, yeah, okay. That's that's where I was confused. I was thinking that it was Lloyd's freshman year, oh. not Troy Davis's freshman year. Do yep. you like? Do you understand where my confusion was? You know, I'm not good at math either. Well, I was just like, that doesn't add up. That wouldn't mm-hmm. have been Lloyd. Wouldn't have been a freshman when Troy Davis. Was well, all that's important is that he saw playing. it. Yeah. Sorry, I was just thinking too much about the copy. Yeah, you were. Should not have gone that deep into it. How you doing, dude? I'm doing well. Um, everything's opening back up. It is. Kind of get to that point where we're getting past the worst of it, hopefully. Have you gone to do anything yet? Um, well, I went home to see the in-laws over the weekend. Okay. That's about the extent of what I've done. I haven't gone out to any restaurants or anything like that yet, personally. How about you? Yeah, I went to hang out with a couple friends at, uh, at Whiskey River. Just had nice. some food and hung out for a little while. Yep. Didn't, nothing too crazy, but, yep. uh, you know, I might have to go and hang out with the boy Sean Roberts. Uh, maybe this weekend. Yeah. See what the Chantourage is uh, is up to and, you know, really dip my toe back into uh, into society. I saw that he uh, did an ad for a pizza place. 
He did. Uh, we don't. Day. We don't give free ads here. Though. You're right. You're right. Yeah. This unnamed pizza place. Yeah. We'll give. Yeah. If you wanna, if you wanna know what Sean Roberts is endorsing, you can go check out Sean Roberts's Twitter. We don't do endorsements for Sean Roberts here. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. It's been. Uh, it's been interesting. Obviously, there's a. Uh, a lot of different ways to go with the, with everything. You know, it's mm-hmm. obviously a very polarizing topic, but yeah, uh, I think it'll be interesting to follow here in the coming weeks obviously when we come back what would that be like the ninth of, like of june yep uh we'll be about a week out from the start of high school sports here in the state of iowa yeah like isn't it up to each school on an individual basis whether they're going to do baseball and softball this summer yeah i do think that that is the case uh, i know that clorinda is going to play i don't mm-hmm. know if you've heard anything about I haven't heard anything about my yeah. Albi or Oski or anything like that yeah. I haven't been paying that close attention no yeah I do know that Clarendo's gonna play uh I would imagine that there's probably oh not everybody will play but I imagine that a lot of a lot of the schools will yeah play. and I think it kind of depends on where you are too like Clarendo isn't really near any of the hot spots per se I don't yeah. think no we're kind of out in the middle of nowhere there yeah it's not like you're in Polk County or no exactly all right let's get our cheap wine going here yeah um all right so this week's bottle what's it called a pinot pinot gris pinot gris i think pinot gris i I think a pinot gris uh it's wine by joe dobbs uh this is actually so my cousin ben i've talked about cousin ben on the podcast before he mailed this to me from dundee oregon um it's a little bit above our usual price range of what we would do i think he said it was 11.99 but to us so it was still cheap because it was free (laughs) yeah it was because he just sent it to us so uh thanks ben for the uh for the bottle of of wine for this week and uh we we don't have our usual plastic cups they are broken beyond repair so we're gonna have to come up with a new solution there i feel like i'm really far away pulling this you are it's kind of dangerous but you know technically by your definition of cheap for us since it's free we could get like 300 dollar bottles of wine in the mail and it would be cheap to us yeah if anyone wants to send us some really nice wine we would be more than happy to accept it <laughs> yeah you know like we're not we're not gonna turn anything down we just know that we're not gonna pay ridiculous amounts for wine yeah it's Correct. a little harder to do our swirl here. yeah it's harder to do the swirl but I'll, I'll still do the uh the sniff and the taste you don't like it i think i should have chilled it man i I, I thought it was pretty good man i got goosebumps dude look at that yeah oh my gosh oh my gosh yeah no it's like i said i think i probably should have just chilled it uh i I liked it yeah i mean it's all right it tastes a lot like the other one i can taste the alcohol on this one than i could what was that last week chardonnay yeah yeah chardonnay Two, two, two weeks ago um this does not taste anything like that to me this tastes much better really yeah oh and we can read the back of the bottle real fast. Back. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's okay. No, yeah, it's good. Back of the bottle, one paragraph. By embracing the Oregon spirit in every bottle, Wine by Joe is crafted to be your go-to wine for any and all occasions. Located in Dundee, the epicenter of Oregon wine country, our winery opened its doors in 2002, and we've been crushing grapes and taking names ever since. Doesn't really give much description about the wine itself, but that's on the bottle. Yeah, I mean, the thing I would say probably... So remember when we talked about the the last one, I had the oak. Talked about how it had the oak in it. Yeah. This is like they just didn't, they don't have quite as much fruit as that one did, but it also doesn't have the oak. Uh, Yeah, that's the thing for me. I I don't get any of the 
the earthy flavor from this one yeah. personally I, I get more fruit out of this one and it might just be because of the absence of the oak that we were having last week but this one also doesn't taste as acidic to me either yeah it tastes more just like nothing i don't know <laughs> do you get what i'm saying yeah i get what you're saying um like i get i get where you're coming from i don't think there's as much depth to it yeah to me it, it tastes like if you like it feels like water in your mouth mm -hmm. but it doesn't taste like what you expect water to which is then a shock to the system yeah so again now we have to think of a, a professional athlete to compare this to man i don't know not, uh, not a lot of depth i think i'm when i think not a lot of depth i think a short person it's gotta be someone short but at the same time nothing really wrong with this wine in my opinion at least okay so here's what i'm here's what i'm gonna throw out okay this wine is like okay so you know who sean livingston is yep you know yeah you look at sean livingston you expect sean livingston to be a guy who's going to break you down on the wing he can you know he can do that you know and he can uh you know shoot a little bit at the out at the perimeter and and can play out there yeah but what sean livingston makes his killing doing is playing in the post you would never guess that sean livingston plays in the post yeah you know so it's like he is not a crazy good player by any means but he's solid and then he's just a little bit different than what you would maybe expect him to be. Hmm. I like it. I like it. I would agree with that. Okay. I'm, I'm trying to think of something. I, I, was, I was trying to go to football this week since I've done, I've done baseball and I've done basketball now. So I was trying to go to football. I'm thinking a wide receiver, a short wide receiver. I, I, the first short wide receiver that comes to mind is Tyreek Hill, but that's definitely not the good comparison here. Yeah, I mean, it, like a lot of the notable good like short wide receivers are so are, good that then... Yeah. I don't know, man. I mean, I guess I guess I'll go with Julian Edelman. Like, I, I don't know. What about know. like the NFL version of Tavon Austin? Yeah, could be. I, actually, now that I said though, I, I think I like the Julian Edelman comp one. because I think Edelman was kind of elevated by Tom Brady and on his own. I'm not sure that he's going to be as good. What about even like Kevin Hogan? Do you remember him? Yeah. Oh yeah, he had like his <laughs> one year of good play. Yeah. And then dropped off he, the map. He played that same position that Edelman did, didn't he? Yeah, because Edelman was hurt for yeah. a lot of last year. So, yeah. So, basically, you're saying that this wine is the wine equivalent of, of a white New England Patriots wide receiver. Yes. I, I respect it. Mm, like, thank I, you. I, I think that that's a solid comparison. Thank you. But, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm going to enjoy drinking this wine for the rest of our podcast, personally. I feel like I gave too much of an initial impression. You know, I said, like, I... I you came out a little not, harsh. It's I'm not, not bad. Lie. It's not bad. It, it was just a shock to my system. Yeah. To where... I mean, you saw. Uh, yeah, you, you I, legit I had, had goosebumps. Yeah, I had, like, easily recognizable goosebumps on my arm. Maybe I just was not in the wine-drinking mode at that moment. That's true. And then all of a sudden I took a drink, and it was like, whoa, okay, we're drinking wine now. Yeah, maybe you did, yeah. You hadn't, you hadn't tuned into the podcast yet. Yeah, exactly. All right, so let's move on to our uh, weekly... Topics. Topics. Well, not weekly. Our topics of the week, uh, Jalen Coleman lands. The big story in Iowa State, in the Iowa State world, Jalen Coleman lands is mm -hmm. a cyclone. The DePaul graduate transfer announced his commitment to the program on Saturday. Yep. Um, this definitely fills a need. Um, Iowa State needed some more outside shooting, and I think that's what his, his key trait is. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say he's necessarily a spectacular shooter, but he, he hoisted them up at enough of a clip, especially during his time at Illinois that he can be a key contributor on next year's team. I think the thing that is so good that he brings to the table too is just, you know, he's got some veteran 
some veteran this. He's re- tw- 24 years old. He's played in over 100 games mm-hmm. already. And then, you know, just from the conversation that I had with him, I got the vibe that he's just like a really mature yep. presence that's going to come in and be something a little bit different than what they have in that in that locker room right now. Agreed. I was going to point out your interview because the way he came off with is that he came to Iowa State for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times that, that goes a long way. Yeah. I mean, I think that he really came – He's really coming, like, trying to make himself better and all those kinds of things. But it's also just because it was a really good fit in a lot of different areas. You know, the management information information systems uh, that there's a lid on there. You feeling all right? Yep. <laughs> Why'd you put the lid back on? Because it, I don't know. I just did. We drink continuously in this podcast. I don't know. I just did. Sorry. Goodness gracious. Uh, but this no, is a, This I, is a lid-free podcast. Yeah, no, I, I just got a vibe that he was, uh, I don't want to let the oxygen out. Oh, stop. It's it going to be gone in, in 15 minutes. Might, you know, hurt the, I don't know. I don't even know what words to use. Uh, man, you filled that cup up. Uh, it's good. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I just felt, I got that vibe that it was like, I got off the phone with him. I was like, man, I feel like that kid is going to be successful, you mm-hmm. know? And uh, not that I've ever gotten the vibe from other guys that, they're not going to be successful, but yeah. it, it was just one of those things where I was like, man, I, I really think that this kid is going to come in and make an impact for Iowa State. Yeah, and I think in the, the, the grand scheme of things, too, this is a pickup that they kind of needed at this point because it allows them, with the last one or two spots that they're probably going to fill for this upcoming year, they can be more picky now. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that, you know, and I don't think necessarily adding him, you know, automatically they're like in the NCAA tournament conversation or anything like that, but I think it's a notable enough pickup that you know he made the team better yep you know and I mean we've talked a lot about what you know two weeks ago or whatever we would have expected from the roster mm-hmm. I guess not two weeks ago probably a month ago or a month and a half ago where it was like we're sitting there and we're like man this is gonna be this could be tough you yeah know, when they were just missing on guys one after another and uh now I just feel like they're at least making a push towards being above the bottom rung yeah especially if they can get tyler harris eligible yeah you get him eligible and then you know obviously they're going after the the justin smith kid from indiana i know that they've been in contact with him and uh i you know i I imagine that they'll be right in the running for that deal and uh if you want any more information you can get on uh cyclefanatic.com and sign up for the premium forum well that was smooth nice little plug for you (laughs) uh but i just if you add him you know then maybe it's a little bit different of a conversation where potentially he is he's a guy who can push you even further along that road to getting back to the tournament and I mean you just had to get guys that were going to come in and make the team older you know yeah it just those guys that they had were it was going to be an uphill climb unless they could get some veteran veteran presences especially regarding Justin Smith like hit hit, when I watched his tape it kind of was like that's what I hoped Zion Griffin would become you know he's just a super athletic guy who just always gets to the rim and uses his elite athleticism to just you know have a great around the basket shooting percentage right yeah I mean I think uh obviously he's done it at the power five level too and that's the thing I like about Jalen Coleman Lance is that he's done it at the power five level yep you know and then obviously DePaul is not power five but he's done it at the that's like one run yeah big east is yeah it's it's power power six you know in, in college basketball and um it was interesting to hear him talk about just he knew that he could play at this level from the fact that you know he played against Iowa he played against Texas Tech and 
Yeah, I mean, I think that it's a, I think it's a, a big pickup, and it's obviously good momentum for them hmm. as they go forward here the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, at this point, again, like I mentioned, they have their, they have, they can be a little more selective now. Yeah, yeah, I guess we'll see. Um, all right, the other big thing that came out on Tuesday morning, uh, Jamie Pollard released a, a letter to the Iowa State fan base, uh, detailing the athletic departments plans to have up to 30,000 fans in the stands at Jack Trice Stadium this fall. Uh, not a huge surprise to hear that number because uh, Director Pollard had thrown that around previously. Yep. Um, but now, you know, you get a little bit of a clearer idea of, of how they're going to make that work. We don't have exact details of the, you know, social distancing and all those yeah. kinds of things that will be in play, but uh, how they're going to ramp up towards that and trying to get those last 8,000 tickets sold, 22,000 tickets sold as of this morning. Yeah. Um, you know, and just making it clear that they are trying to do something to get fans in the stands yeah, as well. Yeah, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that even the 30,000 number is still not necessarily locked down at this point. Yeah, I mean, I think that it could change. Yeah. Uh, I would be surprised if it changed too, like, too drastically. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, I think from their perspective, they have to have some kind of plan. Like, they can't just wait until, you no. know, two weeks ahead of the season. Well, no, but the thing that to me was, was good was that we've heard this number, these numbers a lot. You know, you saw Gene Taylor, the athletic director at Ohio State, came out and said, uh, you know, I don't know what it was, that they they could have, like, about 30,000 or 40,000 at, at Ohio Stadium this year down at the Horseshoe. And um, you've seen that thrown around some other places, but there was really never anything to like explain what they're going to do to do that, you know? Yeah. And I felt like this was a one of those moments where it's like, okay, you know, they're going to see what they can get to by June 12th with the Cyclone Club donations and all that kind of stuff, and then probably reevaluate from there. But if they get to 30,000 by that June 12th date, then I imagine that they probably won't sell any more tickets yeah. until they get a, a go-ahead to, to have more people in the stands. Yeah, and I think this is just another great example of Pollard being, you know, in front of the ball and a lot of things. Yeah. Because it seems like, you know, he was he was the first one to do the, the 10%, you know, pay cut right. to everyone in the, in the athletic staff. And obviously this is before a lot of schools came out with their own plan too. I, I also thought that it was very uh, timely to come out and say that if anybody who doesn't renew their tickets for 2020 – uh, will still have first rights to their seats for 2021. Yeah. Uh, sh very shortly after Iowa said that people will not have first rights for their seats for 2021. Yeah, which is obviously a very uh, kind of counterpunch. I mean, it was a very thing. Gary Barta thing. Oh, yeah. Like, that was a... Gary Barta is so terrible at his job. <laughs> that was the absolutely least surprising thing that I have... Yeah. And I didn't read any of the stuff, like, you know, backing it up or anything, but I was like, man... It's like they looked at each other and like, what is the worst thing that we can do from a public relations optics standpoint? Let's do it. Yep. And then they did. And then Iowa State came out and was like, okay, we're just going to do the exact opposite of that. <laughs> we're not going to do that, guys. Yeah, we're going to do the exact opposite of what they did. And no one, you know, I mean, I, and I, I feel like that's a no-brainer. Like, to yep. me, that's not a, it's not anything that we should sit here and like applaud Jamie Pollard over. It's just... It's common sense. Yeah. It's just like, okay, yeah, that seems like the right thing to do. Yeah. And to me, when I saw that about Iowa, I was like... That's well, not the right well, thing to do. I was do. like, why? What, what, what are you going to do? How are you going to justify that to people? Yeah. I don't know. Even so. Iowa fans, I'm sure, share the same opinion. Oh, I'm sure that they do. I'm sure a lot of the people out there that are like, I'm not going to renew my tickets for this year, you know, yeah. are probably like, man, like, damn, now I'm getting railroaded into having to do it. Yep. 
and I think that that's kind of that's kind of BS. Crappy of them. It, yeah, it's kind of BS in my personal opinion. And that doesn't and that and it doesn't matter if it's Iowa or whoever. Like I would say the same thing. Yeah. You know, any school that does that, I'll say the same thing. Mm-hmm. And it just so happened that it was Iowa that was the one that that did it. Um. All right. So you have any other thoughts on that? If you could, if you could get tickets, would you be going to games this fall? I mean, you know, season tickets. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I would. I would love to. At some point, I'd like to get season tickets. Um, I still have to talk my wife into it, but yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think I would personally. Yeah, I would. I would go to games if I could get season tickets. Yeah, I think that I would too. Um, well, obviously, get, obviously, I probably will be, but you know, it's it's in kind a of different thing, capacity again. Where it's common sense, like we're we're young people. You yeah. know, as long as we just maintain the the guidelines, I think we should be okay. Yeah, I mean, if I was concerned, then. You know, if I was like scared to do it or, uh, and I'm not saying that, you know, this is the wrong thing or anything like that, but I'm just at a point where I'm like, man, I'm kind of just ready to go back to my life. And if I have an opportunity to do that and I can do it in what I perceive to be a safe way, yep. then I'm going to do it, you know? And yep. uh, not everybody's going to feel that way. And I understand that, but I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to like question anybody who feels the other way. It's just the same way that I feel like no one should be able to question the way that I feel, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's just like, it's just one of those things where it's like, if you don't want to go, then don't go. Yep. That, that's all there is to it. I'm with you. All right. Uh, last dance is in the rear view mirror now. Um, first, I'll just ask you your, I, I've put my thoughts out there uh, quite a bit on um, on the, the final episodes of the last dance. What, what were your thoughts? You know, the final episodes didn't really change my opinion on the entire thing. Like, I, I still agree with you. I think you made the point of it's clear that MJ released what he wanted to release yeah. in this docuseries. If there was any episodes that felt really rushed, it was those two, which is understandable yeah. just because of the, the timeline that they had to yeah. expedite. I mean, it, it was nice to see it all come to a conclusion to a degree. Um, at the same time, like, I, I feel like there were parts that were missing at the same time. I mean... I was thoroughly entertained. I I would arguably probably watch it again just because I was entertained. But at the same time, I don't think it was a perfect, you know, series. I just don't think I can blame anybody that was portrayed in the documentary for being upset. Oh, yeah. Either, you know, uh, whether it's Horace Grant or Scottie Pippen or whoever it is. And then, you know, I can understand where some people are like, oh, well, Scottie didn't come off bad. You know, okay, fine. But... Scotty went into this probably not knowing that at the end of the day, the person who's going to get the last word on everything is Michael Jordan. Yeah. You know, and I would be interested to know how many people were interviewed without that understanding Mm -hmm. that anything that they say, the last person who's going to see anything or say anything is going to be Michael Jordan. And he could potentially be allowed to watch what you have said and react to it live on the camera. Yeah. And that's where it's like, you know, the things that Isaiah said, why, why would Isaiah ever agree to do anything like that again? Yeah. I, I don't think he, it's quite obvious that he didn't agree to do the interview. If, if he would have known ahead of time that that was going to be showed on an iPad to Michael Jordan, he probably wouldn't have said the same thing. Right. For Michael Jordan to sit there and laugh at him or yeah. Gary Payton. Why would Gary Payton ever do anything like that again? Yep. And that's what I tried to, you know, I was on with Ross last week and that's what I just, that's the thing that bothers me right now about Michael Jordan is that, and I'm not saying he's got to sit there and like, you know, be homies with everybody and he's like man Gary Payton he was a dog man he was a great player and all this kind of stuff and it's like uh and like blow it out of proportion but I just think that he shows so little respect for the other people that he played against Mm -hmm. and and definitely with too but that was you know it's kind of it just depends on yeah 
when he's I talking, mean, honestly. But and you can interpret that as it, as he's the ultimate competitor, or you can interpret it as that he's a part of an asshole. Right. And there's, you can be a competitor, but still respect that person and be honest when you're evaluating them. Yeah. Like Gary Payton's still one of the best defensive guards of all time. Yep. At least of of that era, mm-hmm. he's a Hall of Famer. You know, and to see Michael Jordan sit there and laugh at him, I was like. Dude, how can you get anybody to respect the era, era of basketball you played in when you sit and laugh at everybody? Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Like, do, do you... It's like if all these guys were were patsies, then you didn't, you know, you aren't, you're not the greatest of all time if you were just beating up on patsies the whole time. Well, yeah, and it, it just, it, you know, it, he sits there and craps on Clyde Drexler. Yeah. Like, what what's the point? It's been 30 years, dude. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's just what, I don't know, I kind of hijacked what you were... I gave more thought. No, I mean you're 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 right on the plane with me. Yeah, that's what, that's what I think too. It just feels like when Kobe, because he even does it now, you know. And I think this is why it's been so hard for him to be an owner and be a, a, a you know, someone who manages a team, because he, he only compares people to himself. Yeah, this is the only person that he can compare anybody to. It's like, well, yeah, Michael Kidd Gilchrist is not going to look very good compared to you, Michael Jordan. Yep. Like, sorry, man. I don't know, and. Uh, the other ironic thing too is that, like you know, he if he with all the stuff he's done for the Bobcats, like to for him to go back and see him dog on Jerry Krause, for uh, you know you can argue that Jerry Krause did a great job with the Bulls. Oh, absolutely. I and, mean, and no one's going to sit here and defend the breaking up of the Bulls. No, absolutely. By not. no means, but building the roster. Yeah, he did a fantastic job. No one can ever fault him for that. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, in the moves that they would make even to get Dennis and those kinds of things, like at just the right time yeah. to where they basically rebuilt the whole thing there in those couple years where Michael was gone and then he came back and then they they rebuilt it and the team was quite a bit different the, during the second three-peat. But the thing that I think was so annoying to those guys that were on the team with him was that they only, you know, they would show where he was being a jerk to Scott Burrell. They would tell the story about when Steve Kerr stood up to him and then all of a sudden he respected Steve Kerr. But they didn't, you know, like I can understand where Horace Grant's coming from where he's like, Michael knew not to mess with me. I'd beat Michael up, you know? <laughs> Horace Grant's seven feet tall and is a huge dude. Like, I'm not messing with Horace Grant. Yeah. Or like Robert Parrish. There's a story that Robert Parrish tells. I think he was on the 95-96 team where Michael got mad at him for messing up a play or something like that. And Michael stepped up and said, like, man, I'm going to mess you up. And Robert Parrish stepped back at him and said, oh, you are, huh? And he was like, and never said anything to him ever again. Keep in mind, Robert Parrish, another Hall of Famer, a guy who was like, was a bad dude. Yeah. You know, I ain't messing with Robert Parrish. But that that's what I'm saying. And that, they never even acknowledged any of those things. Mm-hmm. They made it, oh, yeah, Michael was such a, an ass to these guys. Yeah. Well, yeah, the ones that he could just bully and be mean to. And then everybody else was like, was like no man you're not going to treat me that way so he didn't (laughs) yeah and that that to me is just it again it goes back to like michael's thing about like pulling people along and all this kind of stuff yeah did he do that yes i'm sure he did was it as perfect as it was portrayed in the docuseries no no i don't think that it was and i think that there is probably more people who played with michael jordan who would tell you that yes they're glad that michael jordan that they played with michael jordan because it meant that they got an opportunity to win steve kerr for instance they got an opportunity to win became a quote-unquote legend and it probably helped their career and their future moving forward because they're an nba champion you know but at the end of the day would they call it a quote-unquote positive experience i would guess probably not and that's Mm -hmm. probably why michael jordan is not cool with that many of those guys today absolutely all right but that takes me into my next question 
uh, it was announced late last week that ESPN will be putting out a documentary on Tom Brady. Uh, well, okay. Here. Uh, TB12 is making a documentary about Tom Brady, and ESPN will be putting it on the airwaves. Uh, are you excited for a Tom Brady documentary? No. Neither am I. Couldn't care less. Couldn't care less, yeah. The th- I mean, football is just inherently different than basketball. Like, basketball, if you're, if you're a superstar athlete, you have so much more influence than you do, even if you're a quarterback in the NFL, you yeah. know? And the fact that everyone already hates the Patriots anyway. Like, the Patriots haven't been likable unless you're a Patriots fan. In, like, 20 years. Yeah, exactly. So, it's like, people liked the Bulls. Or, you know, if you didn't if you didn't like them, you at least respected them. I feel I, like... I just don't like the Patriots. I just don't like the Patriots either. And I feel like a lot of people just don't like the Patriots. So, it's like, on one hand, yeah, you can probably make the argument that he's the best quarterback of all time. But... That doesn't necessarily mean that everyone's going to be tuning into this this next new one um, like they tuned into The Last Dance. My thing is that, you know, could there be an interesting documentary on Tom Brady and the New England Patriots over, you know, their dynasty? Sure. I mean, yeah. Absolutely. If they covered all the warts, maybe. Well, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Well, and for one, I don't think when Tom Brady's still playing in the NFL, I don't, yeah. I don't care. Exactly. You know? Like, it's not like it's been... It hasn't been that long since some of these things happened. We're yeah. not, like, really looking back at anything. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, been, like, it's been over 20 years since Jordan was on the Bulls. Right, that's what I'm saying. It took 20 years for them to come and make a documentary like this. Like, wait until 2040, bro, and then we can talk about it, you yeah. know? Yep. And... Or maybe not. I don't well, know. Tom Brady. Yeah, I mean, I guess it would be kind of Tom that Brady's legacy isn't done yet. No, exactly, and that's that's what was annoying about it to me was it was just like, man, okay, so is Tom Brady just making a documentary for everybody to sit back and be like, man, Tom Brady, he's so. I mean, awesome. again, it'd be like releasing the Last Dance while Jordan was on the Wizards. Yeah, yeah, and I just I think someone called into Cake Snow when I was on with Ross that day, and he and he was talking about how he wanted to see a Tom Brady documentary. And the thing that I immediately said, was like, if you're going to get a real documentary about the New England Patriots during Tom Brady's career, you know who you're going to get to talk for it? The assistant equipment manager and the long snapper. Because no one will talk. Yeah. The, there's too many things out there about that, that organization during this time, whether it's you know, the Spygate thing with the Rams back in the day, uh, whether it's Aaron Hernandez, whether it's Deflategate, whether it's, you know, whatever else there is that you could, I mean, I'm sure there's more things I just haven't even, that I can't even think of. Well, those are three big, three big things. The you three just big up. ones. Yeah. And you're not going to get anybody to talk and talk honestly and not just be like defending themselves, you know, and not be just like brushing it off, doing what Michael did some of those times where it's like, where he would just try and justify it to you. Yeah. Like, you're not going to get anybody to speak honestly. No, none of those guys have still, to this day, it's been almost 10 years, have ever talked about Aaron Hernandez, mm-hmm. you know? And that's where it's like, that would be one of the most interesting things to get these people on the record and the fact that they're still out there trying to win the Super Bowl while all this stuff's going on. Yeah. And, you know, they're not going to talk about it. So, to me, that's not a documentary. That, another, another thing that, that separates the two, for me at least, is that Tom Brady has done his run during the social media era, or yeah. the majority of, of yeah. his, his rise to prominence. Right. So all this stuff has technically been out there and discussed already. Like there's no, there's no hiding what the Patriots have done, unless you again, unless you get into the stuff that's been a little bit shady. Yeah, and it's not like he's ever gone away. Like one person mm-hmm. I think that would be really interesting is Tiger. You know, and I'm not the first person to say this, but so much of his early career was before social media. His like truly dominant period was before, you know, social media had truly ramped up at a, at a really, really wide scale. And 
there was a, you know, almost like a cult, darn near a decade, a cult following where, where yeah. Tiger went away, you know, and he was a, you know, around obviously, mm. but it's like, there's all the things that happened after the, you know, nine iron incident yeah, and the, the accident. And, yeah. <laughs> and then there's this, uh, with the, you know, all that stuff. And then yeah. there's, um, you know, where he got in trouble down in Florida, uh, and got a OWI, I think. And there was a period of like he, five or six years where he's dealing with back injuries the entire time. Yeah. And he was just like off the map, you know, people didn't, yeah, people talked about Tiger, but it was about, is he ever going to come back? Mm-hmm. You know, is he ever going to be, is Tiger he ever going to win another major? And everybody had just sat back and was like, man, probably not, you know? And it was just like, we've all, we had all accepted it. And the fact that he was still able to make it back and get back to the top, like that's what would make that so compelling. And I don't know that I've ever heard him give like a really good interview, comprehensive interview where he goes through all of those things and what his mind, I mean, maybe he has to an extent, but not in that setting. That's, I think that would make that really interesting. Yeah, and you know, I think Tiger Woods is a lot better than Michael Jordan at coach speak kind yeah. of stuff. Like he he like if he does interviews after matches, like he's always he's always saying the the least controversial things. But if you were to go back, like after Tiger's done playing golf, or at least in the yeah. PGA Tour, I mean, I think like twenty years from now, if we were going to do this, yeah, again, twenty years from now, like I think he would be the the type of personality that would open up a little bit about his struggles. I mean, I think that he's the kind of guy who would be reflective. Yeah, you know, because he, I don't think that he he could have made the comeback the way that he has and have gotten to the point where he's winning the Masters and that kind of stuff if he didn't have that introspectiveness in him. Yep. I mean, he had to change the entire way that he played, mm-hmm. you know? He had to become more of a smart golfer than a power a, than a power golfer. Yep. And and now he's one of the best smart golfers that are out there. And it took him a long time to figure out how to do that, you know? How many times did he change his swing and all that kind of stuff? And through all the injuries, and it, it finally just took where it was like, man, like, I just have to go out and play – just if I can play smart, I can beat these guys who want to play the way that I did back in the day, yep. you know, and that's why I respect him so much. But that's like I said, it took a probably took a ton of introspection from him or just sitting and, you know, really thinking about who you are yeah. and the kind of athlete you are and those kinds of things to ever get to that point. Yeah. And that would make him a super interesting subject for something like this. Agreed. And I think Tiger realizes that he's not he's not a perfect being like I think Michael Jordan in, in some aspects thinks he's above right a lot of people whereas I think Tiger Woods has a sense of where he is in, in the world and I think he just knows he's not above everything yeah and I, I think it's hard to sit here and say that Michael never did anything wrong mm-hmm. but but he would still continue to just justify everything yeah you know the the stuff about gambling oh it's just like a parking ticket to him or whatever it is like okay that's cool man but like it's still a little bit shady when this guy who's like breaking the law a bunch is getting eighty thousand dollars from you or whatever it was. Like that's it's hard to sit here and you for you to tell us like, nah, man, it ain't that big a deal, you know? And I don't think Tiger would just like wave those things off the way that Michael Jordan did. Yeah. Um, is there anybody else that comes to mind for you? Well, I mean, I I haven't seen all the thirty for thirties. Um, have they done one on Wayne Gretzky yet? They did do uh, one on his getting traded to the kings i think okay i I, think it was called king's ransom or something like that i'd be curious to either watch that or or a new one about wayne gretzky just because i i didn't get to see him play yeah um and i feel like he's the kind of it's been long enough too that there would be yeah some interesting stuff again long enough ago and he he was the kind of athlete that rose above everyone else to the Mm -hmm. point where he was so dominant 
Right. Um, I, I think Barry Bonds would be interesting. Barry Bonds, or I was going to, you know, suggest like Ken Griffey Jr., someone like that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, thinking like a NASCAR documentary, I don't know, Jeff Gordon. I was a Jeff Gordon fan growing up, yeah. so I'd, I'd enjoy watching a Jeff Gordon documentary. Um, I'm trying to think. There were some other ones. Uh, Mike Tyson. I think Mike Tyson would be an interesting one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the stories of, like, I feel like there's got to be not like controversy, but it's like, I like the idea of some of these figures sitting back and being like able to look back at these things and explain their thinking yeah. in the moment, you know, or like explain how that, what they learned from it or something like yeah. that. Cause I think that's what like, the, and that obviously takes some willingness from them, but yeah, I mean, that's what, that's what the people like us appreciate is that like, you know, we always envision ourselves achieving like they do, like yeah. they, there are, whether they should be or not, there are role models. So the fact that they're achieving at such a high manner, like you want to know what's going through their head, like what what is behind their decisions that they're making. Yeah, I mean that, like with Barry Bonds, it, like it would humanize them, you mm-hmm. know. I mean that's why I'm so interested to see the Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa one. Yeah, I'm, in I'm interested weeks. in that one too. Yeah, because I think that both of those guys know that they probably made a mistake, mm-hmm. you know. But at the end of the day, too, they can sit there and be like. But it, it, you know, look what it did. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and at that time they can rationalize it and say like, it wasn't illegal and all this kind of stuff. A lot of what they were doing, but they can sit back and say too, but it was wrong. Yeah. You know, and that, that's what I can appreciate about that. You know, like with Barry Bonds, I don't know that he would ever do that from what I've ever heard about Barry Bonds. But yeah, uh, I, I think that there's some like this Lance Armstrong one. I have no interest in. I don't have any interest in either just because it's cycling. I, I mean, yeah, I respected the fact that while I was growing up, Lance Armstrong was winning the Tour de France like every year. Yeah. But at the same time, it, it was just kind of thing where like at the end of summer, you'd be like, oh, Lance Armstrong won another one. Good for him. Well, I just, I have a hard time. I have a hard time sitting and being interested in a person who, you know, was dominant. As dominant as, in their sport as anybody, you know, probably on this side of Jordan, honestly. And, you know, where he wins seven consecutive Tour de France's or whatever it was. Yeah. And for him to sit there and say, well, everybody was doing it. Like, to me, that I, that automatically, I don't have any interest in that. Yeah, that automatically negates all my interest because, again, if you, if you admit to the fact that you were doing wrong, even if other, pe- other people were doing wrong too, like yeah. the fact that if you admit to it and it just... I can connect to you so much better as a human being. Well, and it's just, it, it's where I said, and, I, and I'm, maybe he hasn't said that it was wrong. I don't know that I've ever heard him say it was wrong, but I, all I've ever heard him say is everybody was doing it, you know? Okay, so you were the best cheater. Cool, man. Like, that's where, to me, I don't see him as any sort of sympathetic figure in any way. And I would have a hard time sitting there and watching, knowing that he's probably going to try and make himself into a sympathetic figure or the film probably will on some level because they wouldn't get him to participate in it unless they did. Yeah. I was listening to Ross today on my drive over to the office and he was kind of just, he, he had watched the, the Lance Armstrong feature and he said that he came off a lot similar to the way Jordan came off in the yeah. last dance. He doesn't care. Yeah. I, I legitimately think he doesn't care. You know, he knows that he, he knows he cheated he knows that he probably hurt other people's careers and he knows that at the end of the day he's like it worked out for me sure okay it got taken away but you guys still remember you know and that that to me is I, that's not like documentary worthy mm. I, I just don't you know 
like the Fab Five one, they did the Fab Five. That one got taken away. People can be like, well, you, you know, like everybody still knows that those banners should be up there. That's one of those things where what happened with them that got the banners taken away and got that stuff taken down. People can sit there and be like, that should not have happened. Like the, the whole system is stupid. And it's a whole, you know, that's a whole like yeah, different kind of conversation. But it's like, man, it ain't worth that, you know? And to me, I have an easier time looking at them as like actual sympathetic figures. If that's the thing that you're going to sit there and talk about, because it's like, man, they were a great team and like, and, and they earned that and you're going to take it away over some stupid stuff. Yeah. But like, if you're going to go and legitimately cheat and that kind of thing, and then just still try and justify it to everybody, it doesn't make sense. No. It's just like the asterisks, you Mm -hmm. know, like in baseball. Yeah. Barry Bonds. Yeah. Okay. Hit 700 and whatever, 60 something home runs in his career. Mm -hmm. But, but I mean, again, the Barry Bonds thing would be compelling if he admitted to it. Yeah. He had, yeah. He'd have to admit to it and be honest. I'd say that he, otherwise he, I mean, if if I was Barry Bonds, why would I ever come out and say, I feel bad? Yeah. They're not going to do anything about it. Mm. You know, it's like, he's like, yeah, I did it. (laughs) So yeah. Tell me I'm not the home run king. Mm Mm-hmm. And no one has shown that willingness at this point. So it's, you know, I don't know. At least cycling took the Tour de France's away from Lance Armstrong, I guess. Yeah. But, all right. Sorry. No, you're good. Is there anything else you got or you want to move on? Uh, we can go ahead and move on. All right. Let's do Hot and Not after a quick break here on uh, Stands and Fits on the Cycling Fanatic Podcast Network. <laughs> Welcome back to Stands and Fits on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. Sorry I rambled there. I realized <laughs> that I talked for a really long time. You're good. It's it's the wine flowing. <sighs> I'm just fired up about yeah. Lance Armstrong. How about you go first for a hot knot today? All right, my hot this week, the NHL. They are getting closer or coming closer to having a plan in place to return to play sometime yeah. in July with a 2014 playoff. Yep. Couldn't uh, care less about the NHL, but if they're the only sport that's available, then, you know, I'll turn it on. Yep. Kudos to them. I think it was what I, don't, I didn't see what locations it was, but apparently they have two locations they're split in between. Yeah, they've got, that's what the proposal is. And then I think they have like six or seven cities right now that are uh, under consideration. I know Chicago is one. Hmm. Uh, Los Angeles obviously is probably one. Yep. Uh, I didn't here. I have it pulled up. I think, um, here, you can talk about yours while I pull up these cities. Sure. All right. My hot. Uh, I really enjoyed the match, too. Uh, obviously, it was Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning versus Tom Brady and Phil Mickelson. It was great during the weekend. Even though Mother Nature tried to intervene, um, it was just awesome. I always love the banter when they have those guys mic'd up. I don't know if you watched any of it, but it was it was just super entertaining. Watched a little bit. I saw Tom Brady playing like crap, and then I turned it off. <laughs> Tom Brady played like crap, but then there was one uh, hole later. I, I think it might have been in the back nine, or maybe it was just on the late front nine but he he holed out from like 100 yards it was really cool was it <laughs> yeah and then Phil did Mc- he just like catch lightning in a bottle for yeah. a second yeah, yeah. Okay. legit okay. it was a great shot yeah he, he spun it back and everything and then uh it was like what you would do and you're like man how did i ever do that <laughs> yeah exactly if i could do that all the time i'd be on the tour yeah and then you know phil mickelson a lot of people hate phil but i love the fact like he, phil is just a, a fun loving guy yeah and every everything he narrates about his game is just it's the ultimate like entertainment for a golfer phil is like he is the guy who everybody knows out on the course that usually has a few too many cold ones yeah and uh talks way too much but like a super 
ultra good version of that guy. Exactly. You know, like usually that guy is, is probably pretty good. Some days he'll be really good. Some days, again, he's had too many, few too many cold ones. He'll start, you'll get back to the cart and he'll be like, yo, I had a, I had a five on that one. And, and you're like, no, dude, you had like an eight. No, no, man, I had a five. I counted it. So it was a five. Yeah. Yeah. Just write it down. Phil's the guy. He, he's, you know, he's six or seven beers deep, but he's hitting flop shots to two feet away from the 10. Yeah. And then you sit there and you hate him. And you're yeah, like, exactly. dude, you're like, dude, like, I, I can hardly stand up. I'm drunk as hell. Yep. And you're, you're out here just like knocking the ball around like it's nothing. Yep. Uh, no, sorry. Real quick, backtrack. The cities are Chicago, <laughs> Columbus, Dallas, Edmonton, Las Vegas, Los Angeles, Minneapolis, Pittsburgh, Toronto, and Vancouver. Oh, that's a lot of cities. Yeah. Chicago, and Minneapolis, man. Maybe mid- the Midwest can be the yeah hockey hub did, of America. Did they say if they're gonna do any, any allow any fans or is it is it no fans? Uh, it would be with no fans. Okay, so yeah. that's that's a bummer. But right. still, uh, but yeah, I did watch a little bit of it. It was it was interesting. I just was like, I don't know. I didn't yeah. I didn't care to like sit there and watch golf all day. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. It was it was super entertaining for golf fans like myself. It's kind of a cool concept. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I I enjoy seeing them play with a guy like Tony Romo or Steph Curry, who are known like you know good good athlete golfers. Not that Peyton and Tom Brady weren't you know good. To a degree, but right. at the same time, it's like the Tony Romo is a scratch golfer, and and Steph Curry's played in some pro ams too. So I'd I'd like to see those guys play with with Tiger and Phil. What if they played with Charles Barkley? That would also be entertaining as hell. And that was another another thing. It was great that hearing out. him like mess with Tom Brady. Yeah, he was messing with Tom Brady, and then again, like I said, like after Tom holed out, he was talking trash, and and Justin Thomas was on the broadcast too. And at one point, he called Charles Barkley a fat ass, which is which is awesome to hear. Yeah, it it was. I was seeing the clips of it and stuff, and it was funny. I just like I just don't sit and watch. I didn't care to sit and watch four people play golf all day. It's all right. That's your that's your right as a cold blooded American. Yeah, a warm blooded American, whatever you are. Um, I don't know if you're a lizard man, but I'm happy. Like I'm happy for you guys that it worked out. That it was fun. Thank you. And the parts uh, parts of it that I did watch were fun. You know. Yeah. I couldn't do it all day. What what if what if Tiger and Phil play with like some rappers? Oh, if if Tiger and Phil were out there with DMX and Ja Rule, then I'm yeah. tuning in. There you go. For the entire show. We should send this to whoever ran the match and propose that for the match three. Because through, through both of the match one and the match two, they're, they're tied. Oh, no. Okay. What if it was Snoop Dogg, Snoop Dogg, and DMX? I, I'd tune in. Honestly, if someone told me that Snoop Dogg wasn't a bad golfer, it wouldn't shock me. I would believe that Snoop Dogg is not a bad golfer. I He's probably it. got a little bit of an unorthodox swing. Yeah. But I think that he legitimately could probably hit the balls around a little bit. You know, I, I could see Snoop Dogg being the kind of guy that once he gets to the green, he makes everything. Yeah. He would probably have a super tricked out bag. Yeah. Like his clubs would be really funny. <laughs> He'd come out wearing something goofy. He'd probably wear those, like, you know, those uh, diamond socks up all the way up to his knees. Yes. With the knickerbocker, knickerbocker pants. Knickerbockers. Yeah. And yeah. then like the hat that sits on the top of his head yep. with a little ball on top. Yep. He absolutely would be dressed like that. Yep. And it would be... It would be great. Mm-hmm. I imagine he would do some things on the course that would make everybody else standing around being like, "Oh, and you know his commentary would be what, fantastic." What did we do? What did we do to get like to put ourselves in this position? Mm-hmm. Uh, my not this week. He's in Major League Baseball. It feels like every week they get further and further away from being able to play. When in reality, they probably should be the first league to come back and play. Well, it's because there's the fight between the MLBPA and, and, and the owners at this point. It's just probably unfortunate that they were so close to a labor 
negotiation already. Yeah. And just happened to fall right in the before, coronavirus year. Right. Right before this deal. Yeah. Uh, but they put out their, uh, the MLB put out a proposed economic plan today that would have cut the salaries of the highest paid players in baseball with the lowest paid players taking lesser cuts from their full prorated salaries because, I mean, duh. Uh, yeah. And says the sources, source, this is to, for ESPN. Uh, sources said the highest paid players would receive perhaps less than 40% of their full season salaries. For example, a player making $35 million in 2020 would make $7.8 million. Man, what a rough life. A player making $10 million would make $2.9 million, and a player earning $1 million would receive $434,000 under the league's plan. A player making the MLB minimum would earn $262,000 in 2020. 65% of all major league players make less than $1 million. Uh, so... This, to me, feels like a freaking no-brainer. Mm-hmm. Like, wh- what are we still talking about? Yeah. I don't get it. It, it doesn't make... Am I, am I, like... Am I stupid for thinking that? No. I, I, I don't understand what the MLB Players Association is having a problem with. I don't think here. they realize how bad this is for their sport overall, too. Because yeah. the, the longer they delay their season... Like, Major League Baseball already has an identity, like disconnect with the american public they need to get more fans and if they're delaying the season even more during this time where there's no other sports on or at least there hasn't been it's not good for them if the sport that is easiest to social distance in like the team sport that it's easiest to social distance in is the last one to make it back which uh, you know we don't know that it will be but right now it feels like the one with the least momentum towards a return the nhl and the nba both have considerably more momentum towards a return or at least a a true set in stone plan for a return where the MLB has like nothing. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, this will be detrimental to the future of baseball. Yep. I mean, if these players like making $35 million, they need to get their asses back into, into playing baseball. Yeah. Because they're going to go, the, the whole league's going to lose revenue. Right. They're going to put themselves in a position where no one cares. Mm-hmm. Like 1995, strike levels or 1994 strike levels and at that point it took ironically two guys hitting 70 home runs a piece uh to bring the league back into the public purview uh or into the public eye and you know get the american attention back on baseball i mean i don't know i don't know what it would take now uh they they are going to be fighting such an uphill battle yeah to maintain their position in the hierarchy of american sport that it's not even funny and and i as a person who doesn't watch baseball that religiously anymore if they came back i'd watch and that's what's frustrating to me is it's like man it doesn't feel like it should be this hard to figure this out for you guys yeah you guys probably should be the ones that are coming back the soonest yeah you feel the furthest away exactly i mean again mlb is supposed to be going right now so the fact that if, if they can beat the NBA and the NFL, like if they can get back before those two leagues, Major League Baseball is this, the third biggest, you know, sport in America. Yeah. So the fact that they'd get so many more people tuning into their games if they got back now. Here, let me ask you this. It, I'll outline a scenario for you. If the NBA comes back in, in mid-July, which I think they probably will. I mean, the NBA will be the king of this whole scenario. Yep. It, regardless of what happens with baseball, I think. Uh, and then the NHL, if they come back, but if baseball didn't come back until like mid August, I mean, 
the NHL would be getting like bigger numbers at that point than MLB would. That's why, to me, they have to come out and beat them out because the MLB is still going to be in their regular season. Yeah. The NHL is going to come back. They'll be. It'll be the postseason. The NBA is going to come back. It'll be the postseason from most uh, from you know most reports of what the likely scenarios are. Yeah. So what they're going to be doing is a lot more high stakes than what the MLB will be doing, regardless of whether or not they're playing 100 or playing 81 games or playing 100. Yeah. You know, or playing, uh, I don't know, 60. Yeah. Like the, everything about those two sports will be high level, high stakes every night when they're yeah. playing. And MLB is just like, well, I mean, they still got three months to play. Yeah. So who will watch the MLB? No one will care about the MLB at that point, yeah. except for the hardcore baseball fans, which are the people that they didn't have to fight that hard to get anyway. Yeah. It's almost kind of like a, a scenario where, you know, working in journalism yourself, you know, like if, if, if there's a big story that you want to break, like a lot of times just being the first, it goes so long, like to capturing those viewers, you know? Yeah. I liken it to that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, they just need to take every opportunity to be able to get some people thinking about baseball that they can. Yep. And as of right now, they're not, they're not doing that. Mm-mm. All right, my not this week. Cannibal rats. I don't know if you saw this or not. It CDC not. warns of aggressive cannibal rats facing shortage of garbage to eat. So since everyone's been, you know, stuck up in home, social distancing, apparently there's a, a shortage of garbage compared to what is regular out there in the streets. So all these rats in the streets, they have resorted to eating younger rats because there's not enough garbage to go around. Which in turn will probably create a... A new zombie rat scenario. No, won't it, like, won't it shorten the uh, rat population immensely? Like, basically, they're, they are killing their own species. You're thinking too logically. You need to be thinking more apocalyptically. But don't you understand what I'm saying? If they're yeah. killing the young, then that's those are the ones that are capable of, yeah. of, of reproducing more. No, I, I mean, yeah, but... I mean, are you going with the fact that, like, if rats die out, then it, it damages the ecosystem? Is that where you're going with this? Well, I don't know. I, I feel like rats probably do play some sort of role in the ecosystem. I'm sure they play some sort of role. But, I mean, like, if rats went away, would you notice? Well, no, you don't see them very often. Well, especially here. Especially how, here, how, no. How, how often do we have rats in the United States I mean, or in Iowa? Not, not very often. They exist. Yeah. But it's not like New York City, obviously. But at the same time, like, I don't know. Like, are there, are there animals in New York City or Los Angeles that rely on the, the garbage rats, you know? Not that I know of, I guess. Uh, do, do, do raccoons eat, eat garbage rats? I don't know. Are raccoons, uh, are they carnivores? <laughs> I don't know. Because they eat garbage too, don't they? Yeah. Wait, so then maybe it would boost the raccoon population. Well. No, there's not enough garbage to go around. Man, this is a this is quite a conundrum. I, I, what if what Man, if it feels it feels opposite to me though? Because people are at home more, so shouldn't there be mm. more garbage at the homes? But they're not going out uh, uh, to get stuff en enough though. But my, my my next phase of this is you know if if the rats are becoming cannibals, then wouldn't other garbage eaters like raccoons become cannibals eventually too? Will the raccoons start eating their own? Oh my gosh! The, and how, how the far, possums? Yeah, yeah. Like, where does this stop? Like, if the possums start eating their own, then, like, does do whoever eats possums start eating their own? Hawks? Do hawks eat rats and raccoons? And I, I don't know what eat rat, eats rats and <laughs> raccoons. I don't know. I don't, I don't know, know either. Like, I, 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 I don't know question. what a, you know, what's the top of the food chain for a raccoon? It's I mean, coyotes are like... Yeah, the coyotes start eating their own. And then what eats coyotes? I don't know. Mountain lions? 
Yeah, and what if the mountain lions start eating their own? So this could be detrimental to the ecosystem. That's in true. other words, is what you're saying. Well, yeah, it sounds to me like everyone's going to become cannibals eventually because of the garbage shortage. We need to be producing more garbage. <laughs> if I'm taking note of this. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, uh, anyway, that's my note of the week. Oh, the carnivorous rats or the cannibal rats. Cannibal rats. Um. All right, we need to move on. All right, yeah. We need to move on because we need to knock this last part out real quick. This uh, is a big thing. This is for episode 100 special. This is a big thing. This is for episode 100. Um, and also, we can announce that as of when this podcast is posted, I would assume, uh, there are now Stands and Fits t-shirts available on the Cyclone Fanatic store, teamcloset.com slash Cyclone Fanatic. Because? We are announcing our... Uh, we're announcing our, I don't know. This doesn't sound very sure. You need to be more sure of yourself for no, this announcement. No, no. Uh, so am I the president in this situation? Yeah. I, See, I think that I kind of am. You Are kind we co-presidents? You might be. I, I feel like it has to be co-presidents because, again, like you, to, be, to be president, you have to be 35. So if we yeah. combine our years, okay. then we qualify. Then we are announcing our co-candidacy for president of the United States in the 2020 election. Stands and fits uh, running uh, in, in uh, we're running as independents. Yes, I was. I was another another idea I proposed earlier in the Slack was we are running for the need to party. Get it? Need to party? Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Uh, but no, you can get your stands and fits T-shirt right now. At team teamcloset.com slash cyclefanatic. So for one hundredth episode, our one hundredth episode, uh, we have formulated our platform for uh, for office. Yep. And I'll uh, I'll let you start it off. We we have 20 points here yep. that we will be making uh, at the very peak, at the very top of our agenda once we are elected. Yeah. Uh, assuming that we can earn your vote, which which we believe that we'll be capable of doing. Yeah. You you can promise or we promise to you that on day one we will at least discuss these pro these projects in the Oval Office. Yes. This is our one first 100 days plan. First 100 days. Number one, most. I mean, not necessarily the most important, co-important with the rest of our policies. We will designate Bush Light as the official state beverage of the state of Iowa. So, okay, I just, I want to just throw out there, that sounds like something the governor should do. But we will overrule the governor. This is, again, like most of these will be executive orders. Like we'll be taking control. Okay. We're not dictators, but we will also, uh, <laughs> we will also be making sure to have a, a number of constitutional lawyers. Yes. Uh, constitutional law experts on our staff because a lot I'm just going to warn everybody a lot of these things are focused on the state of Iowa we don't care about anybody but the state of Iowa yeah. and we just want to make that clear to everyone you know we, we were discussing someone might think hey why didn't you guys just run for governor well shut up that's what I say yep uh, before we came on the podcast while we were uh, in depth researching for these um, for these platforms yeah we were we were trying to come up with something to put George Niang in power of um, we did, I don't think we settled on anything. So let's just say that we put George Niang as governor of Iowa and he's open to any of our ideas. Yeah. Now the president has the power to appoint. Appoint a governor. Yes. And we've appointed George Niang. And so he, yes. And he has made Bushlight the official state beverage of Iowa. Yeah. Which actually, I, 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 when I was making this platform, I, d I didn't realize that there is actually state beverages for 28 of the 50 states. But we are not one of them. Correct. There's no current state beverage of Iowa. What are some of the state beverages for other states? You know, I, I have the link in, in the description here um, in our document. And a lot, like take, take a guess. What, what do you think is the state beverage of most states in the United States? Beer. No. 
there is not a there's not one actually i take it back there's one virginia has george washington's rye whiskey as the state spirit so none of them are alcohol no that, that was the one alcohol oh okay uh what is it Water? actually Water? uh no i'll get i'll give you one more guess are they sodas that were like developed there 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 are a couple sodas is uh texas or is texas's dr pepper Texas is, Texas does not have one. Oh man, okay. So okay, give me a couple here. Just uh, give me a couple. So examples. the most common by far is milk, actually. I don't know why. I mean I could see that for like Wisconsin. Freaking try. Which it definitely which it is. Um, the next most common one that I see I see I see a lemonade, I see an orange juice, a cranberry juice, an apple cider, and oh the, the official state beverage of Ohio is tomato juice. So basically, you're saying that Iowa has a pos- has a chance to create a whole new precedent. Yes. Across the country, of naming a beer their official state beverage. Correct. Sounds, sounds like a great idea to me. And we should definitely submit this to future governor of Iowa, George Niang. Yes, this will be right at a, at the top of our list of things to get done. Uh, number two, we will make every Friday a national holiday. I feel like this is self-explanatory. I mean. Everyone tunes out on Friday afternoons anyway. My only question is, will we also make it to where the mail has to go through on Fridays? Um, the difference will be that on Fridays, you have to make it, like, you have to do something for your mail carrier. Like, the mail will still go through. So, basically, we'll just make it no work Fridays. No work Fridays, yeah. Unless you are in the service industry and it's a nice day outside and you want to go and sit on the patio and get drunk, or you are a mail carrier. Yeah. Or we could just say, like, if it's raining outside, eh, mail carriers, mail carriers can stay home. We understand. Okay, there you go. All right, uh, number three. We will publicly acknowledge the United States' interaction. Uh, this, is, this is technically yours. Uh, no, this, this sounds great. You should uh, continue. Okay. <laughs> we will publicly acknowledge the United States' interactions with beings from another planet, from, other, other, planets. from other planets, yep, yep. and push to create healthy and transparent working relationships with them. Man, that sounds like a great idea. Uh, I'm, I'm, I, excited. I, I'm excited for this. I'll be, I I'll, for one. I'll be uh, transparent here. I am not necessarily all on board with this one. But I defer to your ju- your better judgment uh, on this one. I'm just telling you this is the right thing to do. Okay. It's time to, to take the American people out of the dark. All right. Fair enough. All right. Uh, we'll also be implementing a one-minute maximum for replay review in collegiate and professional football and basketball. Let's, let's just say not all of these are, you know truly pressing problems for our country but we're the, are you discounting the, the, the need for this but we're making them happen i mean okay who wants to let's, wait around for five minutes waiting for a replay the, review let's think of the pros and cons here think of the people we could affect who has more lobbying power who is going to come to washington and do more for us john higgins john hollywood higgins who needs his tv time relies on his tv time relies on his monitor time or just the sports fans who have like lived we got to start thinking like politicians, bro. Well, here, okay, here, think about this, though. What if all of the sports people, like just the fans, became a mob? The pitchfork and you know, torches. It won't happen. You're way more optimistic than I am about this. I'm just saying. I'm just we, telling you. I'm just telling you. Have, I, I don't want to hurt Hollywood Higgins' feelings. Holly, I don't want to hurt Brent, Brent Bloom's feelings. Hollywood Higgins is just one data point in, in the grand scheme of society. Oh, wait, you think that... Oh, wait, you think the president is going to listen to... The, the common people? Yeah, and not just, like, the one person with power? You're right, sorry. I, I, I have this backwards. 
<laughs> I mean, that's just, I'm just saying, like, if you want to be the president, then you might as well start thinking like one. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. All right. Uh, number five. Number five, a new sports documentary will be commissioned each year by the new state-sponsored television network, uh, Stands and Fits TV, and complete with and complete honesty during all interviews will be required by law and punishable by perjury. So you'll be going to prison if you lie during the documentary. You really went all in on the the legal speak in that one. Yeah, I did. Well, you had to cover your tracks is yeah, what was what yeah, I read into that yeah, one. Exactly. All right. Uh, number six, going back to referees. We will require all referees to face the media after games have concluded in every single sport. The officiating lobby is not going to be huge fans of us. No. Uh, I feel like John Higgins, you know, he might round up the other officials. I imagine that Tom Eads is probably the guy who uh, spends his time lobbying for the officials in Washington. You're right. And he, but at the same time, like, how many officials are there really in the United States? Like, I mean, I'm just going to say you know, if, you know, hey. If Tommy is John Higgins, if anybody if anybody want to come and you know wet my beak a little bit, we can maybe reconsider these. Well, you know, you, you know, know what I'd be really afraid of is if Ed Hockley showed up at our doorstep. Yeah, you want, Ed Hockley wants to re- wet my beak a little bit. We can talk about <laughs> some stuff, you know. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, I don't know. I don't know about you. I'm just saying, I'm corruptible. <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there. Well, uh, we we should definitely retract that on the final edition uh, of this podcast. No, I don't care. <laughs> uh, we'll begin the process of developing new core curriculum for high school students, headed up by the new Department of Education director, Ja Rule. Ja Rule, we completely Our trust. Students will never be smarter than they will be after Ja Rule comes in and uh, turns everything around for us. You know, ja Rule knows everything he needs to know. He does. He'll 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 pass it along he to does. the youth of America. All right, and then to add to that, the new curriculum will in- require an intro to shotgunning class taught by none other than Chris Williams. Uh, there's not a better shotgunner in America. He's the, he's the best of the best. I, I believe there's I, been... I don't know that there's anyone who's more qualified to teach that, that, that course. There's been three evidence videos posted to Twitter in roughly about the last month that you can, you can see the perfect shotgun three times thanks to Chris Williams on his Twitter account. Yeah, yeah. It's... Uh, it's really a sight to see. Yeah, I will say that. Um, all right, sign it. We'll sign into law that Twitter must introduce an option to edit tweets. I mean, I think this is everyone wants this. Yeah, I, I, I can't even sit here and say who would ever argue with that. Like honestly, for, <laughs> I mean, maybe the maybe Twitter. From a from a serious perspective, like if if Twitter were ever going to introduce the ability to edit tweets, I think like the 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 fine print would be that you have to give up like you you give up all the retweets and the favorites that you've already gotten i think that it maybe he should have to be done within a certain amount of time that too like you have like 30 seconds to make edits. yeah yeah like you you tweet it out you read it again and you're like dang i messed it up yeah edit but i mean like what if what if like someone who had like a, a you know five million followers tweeted something instantly retweeted two thousand times in five or you know 30 seconds and then you edit it to something different. Okay, then we will we will commission a study to figure out how fast the average person can read their tweet again. So how fast can the average person hit tweet, read it, realize there's a mistake, and then hit the edit button? That will be the amount of time that will be allowed. So you know you, I've, you don't have like the you don't have the time to do that. I feel like you're you're not um, giving enough time that the average person would take to read their tweet again. We have all of the government resource. Okay, well if you're aware of this. You don't have a choice. Like, oh, you messed up your tweet. Well, you know, you, you're you the idiot for not sitting there and reading it again. You're right. Well, in that case, why is there, why is an edit button being thrown out there at all? That's a good question. But anyway, we will, we will we'll, definitely yeah, introduce we'll, an we'll edit, come edit back button. To it. Yeah, we'll come back to it. All right. Uh, this is you. 
All right, me. Uh, on day one, we will issue an executive order shutting down the Kansas men's basketball team and forcing the forfeiture of each Big 12 title won by a Bill Self-coached team. It's about time. It's about time that somebody took some initiative and did something for the... Yeah. That's I mean, good for the rest of the people here. Where there's smoke, there's fire, and that definitely applies to the KU it's men's about, basketball It's about program. time. Uh, we will order all toilet papers... All toilet paper rolls be a minimum of two ply, two ply and hung in the correct over position. This, I mean, everyone agrees on this. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you like the under position, then you're a communist and you should just leave the United States immediately. That's, that speaks for itself right there. There you go. All right. Um, number 12. We'll push for Psy to be the first mascot ever sent to space. Also, in a related concept we fully support the united states of america space force i mean obviously we'll need to considering we will now be working with the yeah beings from outer space you're right It'll be, they will be a crucial piece of our uh of our new platforms or yep. our new uh, initiatives mm-hmm. um we will encourage the nfl nba and mlb to award ten thousand dollars to the touchdown ce- celebration of the day the best dunk of the day and the best bat flip of the day respectively man that's it's gonna get expensive no, I mean, again, this is coming from the NL, N, N, NFL, NBA, and MLB. This isn't the government paying for it. This is those those leagues paying for it. Yeah, so we're going to order the MLB to pay $1.6 million. Yes. Across the entire season. That's, that's like nothing. You realize how much they pay people like Bryce Harper? Well, no. I mean, they're not paying him anything right now. This is making a big assumption that the MLB will still, still exist. Okay, so... <laughs> Yeah, I'm, if, I'm if it, sorry. If they don't go extinct from this holdout that they're that they're all doing right now, yeah. Like Bryce okay. Harper might have to be, you know, they might need every 1.6 million they so, can get so they can pay Bryce million or Bryce Harper is 30 million. We'll make an we'll make an edit to this this uh, platform that as long as the MLB exists, that they'll okay. have to pay ten thousand dollars for each bat flip. All right, that's better. Like football, you know, I get that's only one hundred sixty thousand dollars. Yeah, NBA, uh, it's one hundred eighty thousand or one hundred eighty two thousand. Yeah, you know fine but it's just or 820,000 so yeah wait I'm not yeah. a math guy not a math guy <laughs> uh number 14 Snoop Dogg will be required to hold at least one concert at Hilton Coliseum each year that goes and through. it will be glorious that uh also I want to amend Snoop Dogg will be required to participate in the match three all constituents I think can agree on that one yep all right uh number 15 we will make saying go Hawks punishable by up to 10 years in prison it's about time the enemy of the people yep i'm glad that we're really out here making change <laughs> yep. uh number 16 we will work to start lowering rent prices across the country with new housing director brian ferentz i don't think there's any more explanation needed on that one no i mean brian ferentz is an expert in the housing department yeah. so uh yeah. especially yeah, we'll, getting cheap housing we'll leave it up to him to make the call there all right number 17 in lieu of bringing back iowa state baseball we will henceforth move the iowa cubs to ames rename them the Iowa Tornadoes and finance a new stadium and other operating expenses through an additional $1 sales tax in Johnson County. No brainer. Uh, <laughs> you'll be, <laughs> uh, you'll be required to pass a psychological evaluation and background check before given access to any social media account. Uh, this is just going to clean up the social media streets. Yeah. I mean, like some of these have been jokes, but this one, I almost feel like there could be some sort of merit behind. Yeah, I mean, if, if, if you were required to pass a psychological evaluation before you were able to so post on, it's, it's not that bad. Dude, it's almost gone. We got to finish this thing. I know. Finish it. Here, I'll, I'll chug this last little bit. Here, just drink it straight out the bottle, bro. Jared. Yeah, you're right. 
This is exactly how we should be approaching this while we're announcing our... Jer yeah, Jared was just giving the, the gross face while drinking the rest of this wine, which is not that bad. All right, uh, read number 19 when you're done drinking that. I'm not done yet. You, you read it. Okay, uh, <laughs> establish an additional $1 sales tax in Johnson County to approve free alcohol to all tailgaters at Jack Trice Stadium and future Iowa Tornado Stadium every season. In the future Iowa Tornado Stadium every season. What will the name of the stadium be? I feel like it should probably be Stands and Fit Stadium, if we're going to be honest. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's, our, it's our idea to... It wouldn't be there if it wasn't for us. Our platform, our idea, they should name the stadium after us. And obviously, we won't, quote-unquote, own the team, you know, but like... But we kind of will. <laughs> you know, uh, our parents or someone directly connected with us, maybe we'll have a little bit of a stake in there. Our Swiss bank accounts will be uh, again, responsible for the finance of this team. Again. This is all about padding our own pockets. All right. We got to start thinking like politicians. Yep. All right. Number 20, our final position. We will immediately push for the National Weather Service to begin working on developing a method for controlling the weather in Ames, Iowa on seven Saturdays each fall. Man, I, I love it, man. And uh, hopefully more than 30,000 people can be there to experience it. Good grief. I hope so. I hope so, too. Uh, if you like our initiatives that we are proposing if you think that we would be great uh, <laughs> co-presidents yeah great co-presidents great candidates for the nation's highest office uh maybe hop on the cyclone fanatic store teamcloset.com slash cyclone fanatic and buy a stands and fits t-shirt yeah i guess that's everything man dude we've done episode we've done 100 episodes can you believe that we've done 100 episodes dude and we didn't even acknowledge uh, what the beginning of this podcast was, which we should have probably done at the very beginning. Isn't the intro going to be like a, a, yeah, a it, thing where it's like reviewing our no, first episode it, or something like it's that? It's not even like, it's just our first episode, man. It's like the Shoot. first minute of our first episode. I don't, I, I'm even afraid to go back and listen to that because I, I know for a fact I was nervous as hell <laughs> and so probably so bad. No, man, it was good. We had a different name for it. I can't remember what it, what it was off the top of my head, but we had a different name for the podcast. Uh, I don't think we had any idea what we were doing. No. We were just... Well, you did. I didn't. Well, I mean, it's been three years. So I don't know that I would have said that I would did either. I don't know how much of an idea I have even now. So we're just out here doing it, you know? That's right. Uh, but, man, I do appreciate... Uh, I appreciate you. I appreciate doing this podcast with you for the last three years. Um, appreciate everybody that has listened enough to where we got to do 100 episodes and uh, hopefully we can do 100 more. Yeah, same goes for me. Uh, definitely want to thank everyone for listening. You know, I, I'm i not the most naturally gifted speaker like you are, in my opinion. Um, but the fact remains that if you listen to us and the other Psychophonatic podcasts, then you're awesome. So thank you. That was really heartfelt. I'm just glad that we got you to stop reading straight off the document, <laughs> even though we just finished the entire podcast I, by reading straight off the document. Well, I mean, I we got the points started from off the document. But yeah, back in the day, man, I was reading word for word. It was it was ugly. It was ugly, but hey, we uh, we got it figured out. That's All right, right. Thanks, everybody, for listening to episode 100. We'll talk to you for episode 101 next week here on this, or not next week. Jeepers. Two weeks from now. Two weeks from now on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. Peace.